This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Amen. Well, we've already had a good time. I know that much. I've already, I mean, I'm already in the Christmas spirit. If you couldn't tell, I was there before I got here today. But at the same time, uh, man... You know, we, we do get caught up, and it may sound cliche, but we do get caught up in all the, the festivities and all the things, but I don't, I don't have a problem with celebrating Christmas big. I don't have a problem with your house looking like the, you know, the, the airport runway. You've got so many lights, and well, that takes away the meaning. I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for Jesus, because my Savior was born, and I've got to celebrate the biggest way that I possibly can. We're talking about jesus birthday here and uh this morning if you need an outline for the message if you didn't get one when you came in raise your hands and the ushers will get you one but i want to catch you up on a little bit of something here uh the past couple weeks here at church we've been in a series called the light because we're talking about how jesus is the light of the world and it may seem like well the light that doesn't sound real deep but when you start to dig in to what it means to have light It means something to you. If you've ever been stumbling around in the darkness of life, then when I talk about the light, that means something to you. It does something for you on the inside because you don't appreciate what it means to be free sometimes until you've actually been held captive by something in your life. Sometimes you don't appreciate the light until you've wandered around in the darkness for a few minutes, stumbling around, trying to make your way on your own. Sometimes you don't fully appreciate how nice it is to be found until you were lost at one point in time. And so when I'm talking about the light, I'm talking about something big. And as we get into the sermon, I want to look at a, at a chapter here, John chapter 1. This isn't on your little outline there. But John chapter 1 is the text that we've been studying for two weeks here. And I just want to read a couple of verses out of this because John was one of Jesus' best friends. I mean, we know Jesus had these 12 disciples, and and beyond that, there was a larger group of disciples, and there was a lot of people that followed Jesus, but Jesus really had three best friends, Peter, James, and John. John was one of his best friends, and so John probably knew nearly better than anybody else what it would be like to start recording the life of Jesus. So he sits down and writes this book, the Gospel of John, and it's all about his experience with Jesus. But John chapter 1, just a few verses here, he talks about the very beginning of it all. And it says this, In the beginning the Word already existed, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the Word. When I spend time with the Bible, I'm spending time with Jesus. He is the Word. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. Nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created. And look at this. His life brought light to everyone. Man, I can tell you this much, that Jesus' life has brought light to my world. When I came into contact with Jesus, he healed me. He restored me. He absolutely saved my life. And, I, you know, I'll talk about all this, but, man, I was dying of cancer at three years old, and Jesus comes in and picks me up off a hospital bed. I hadn't walked in months, and I take off running. I appreciate Jesus, and I'm really glad that Jesus was born. And when his life came into me, it brought light to my entire world. And I love Jesus. I can't get enough of Jesus. I'm obsessed with Jesus. He's everything to me. I don't need anything else. The Lord is my shepherd. I've got all I need right there. Somebody say amen to that this morning. Come on. 
And so he brought light to everyone. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. People are worried about, well, they're going to take Jesus away. They're going to take Christmas away. They've been trying to take Jesus away for thousands of years, but I'm telling you this morning, the darkness can never extinguish the light. I'm not afraid that they're going to take Jesus away from me. They've been trying, and they haven't succeeded yet. Jesus is still here. Amen? And so God sent a man, John the Baptist, that was Jesus' cousin, to tell about the light so everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. Some people thought he was. But no, he was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And so John was telling everybody, listen, listen here, somebody's coming, just wait for it. Wait for it. Somebody's coming that's going to absolutely rock your world. You're sick. He's going to heal you. You're poor. He's going to pull you out of that. You're depressed. He's going to bring you peace. Someone's coming. Just wait for it. And so John was telling everybody. And then Jesus Christ shows up on the scene and absolutely changes the trajectory of the human race. Verse 10, he came into the very world he created, but the world didn't even recognize him. And to this day, some people, Jesus is moving in their life. Some of you in this room, Jesus is doing things in your life and you don't even recognize it. Man, I wish I would have a sign. Here's your sign, man. You're in God's house today and someone's telling you the gospel. There's your sign. Jesus is here today and he's trying to reach you. You just have to recognize how he's doing it. So he came to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Well, who are you? I'm a child of God. Who are you? I'm a child of God, man. I mean, I, before I identify with anything else, before I identify with, with being an American, before I identify with being a dad and a husband, if you ask me who is Dave Samples, the first thing I'm going to say is he's a child of God. He's a husband. He's a dad. He's a pastor. He's a he's a he's a lot of things. But the first thing I am is I'm a child of God. That's my identity. There seems to be an identity crisis. But when you realize you're a child of God and you don't have that crisis anymore because you're secure in Jesus at that point. And so he gave us the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. And here's verse 14. Here's what I'm getting at. So the word became human and made his home among us he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness and we have seen his glory the glory of the father's one and only son amen that's good news today i want you to give a hand for jesus i want you to give jesus some praise this morning that he is full of unfailing love and faithfulness and there's a few things I want to talk about today. I'm going to make this brief. I'm not, you know, I realize we've got gifts and food to get to. It's like a big, giant family Christmas party today, and I respect that, and that's, I'm all about that. But I just want to take a few minutes to tell you about a few things here about the light, because you have received the gift of light. And what does the light do? Well, the light brings several things, but I'm going to talk about three things today. What is one thing that the light brings? It brings hope. It brings hope. Hope. If you've ever been stuck in the darkness and you get just a little glimmer of light, you finally have hope that things could get just a little bit better. You know, I, I talked about this last week, but one time I spent the night in a cave. And I'm not talking about a little, you know, burrow in the desert. I'm talking about climb 20 feet down below the ground into a cave and, for, you know, stayed the night with a bunch of friends. It was kind of stupid. But 
I'm telling you, brother, that was darkness right there. It didn't matter. You know, sometimes you're in a dark room and you hold your hand there. And okay, after my eyes adjust, I can finally see a little bit. You could have been down there for 24 hours. Your eyes aren't going to adjust to that darkness. They weren't made for that. And some of us are stumbling around in darkness, never feeling right. Why is that? Because you weren't made for that. You were made to be a child of the light. And you're never going to feel okay until you receive the light of Jesus into your life. Amen? And so the light, what it does is it brings hope because if you're stuck in a dark place, even a little glimmer of light, you say, wait a minute, okay, there is someone still out there. There is still a chance that I could get out of this situation. And that's what Jesus is doing for us today. Now, a lot of people know what faith is, but I found out that a lot of people, they don't actually know what hope is. Faith is believing without seeing, and you got to have faith. To receive Jesus because you can't see him yet, though we will someday. But at this point in time, you've got to have faith because you've got to believe without even seeing. But hope is that initial spark that is a precursor to faith. Because all of us have been in that place where I just, I don't know if it's going to get any better. But then all of a sudden something happens. You hear a word from God. You hear somebody, somebody loves you when you didn't deserve it, when you felt the lowest. You, you, you get just a little bit of a spark that gets things going, you're like, wait a minute, okay, I'm not there yet, but there is a chance. This is when hope starts to build, and hope eventually becomes faith when you fully believe, you know what, not only could things get better, things are going to get better, and, and I'm telling you right now that, that, that I'm making it out of this cave, I'm making it out of this situation, this is not the final say-so in my life. So hope eventually becomes faith, but listen to me, that that, that you've got to have hope, and the light brings hope. And I think about the children of Israel during that time period that Jesus was born. They were kind of in a bad spot because the Romans, they, they, they were running their lives, man. Soldiers just showed up at your door and, hey, your taxes are due. I paid them yesterday. Your taxes are due, aren't they? Oh, you don't want to pay? I'll just take your kids. I mean, what a bad society to live in. And we, sometimes we complain about how we've got it, man. We've got it pretty good. And so the Romans, they were cruel, they were mean, and they were bullies to the people of Israel. And I think about this little girl named Mary. I, I say little girl because according to most historians and scholars, she was probably between 13 to 15 or 16 years old when the angel shows up and says, hey, you're going to give birth to the Savior of the whole world. No pressure now, but you've got to raise them, not let them die. You've got to take care of it. I mean, talk about pressure. I don't want to handle that right now. But here she is, a teenage girl, and, and, the, and life's already hard enough, and the angel shows up and says, you've been chosen out of the entire human race to give birth to the most important person in the history of the world. Don't screw this up. He didn't say that, but I'm just, can you imagine, like, I would feel that way, like, Pick someone else, man. Don't pick. Come on. And so she's got all of this weight on her shoulders. But what does she say? She says, be it unto me according to thy word. For with God, all things are possible. I don't know how this is going to happen, but God said it was. So I'm just going to choose to believe. And so I give a big, I mean, I love Mary. I give a big salute to Mary because she handled something pretty big right there that most of us probably wouldn't want to deal with. And so God comes in at this time. 
and she becomes pregnant, right? And so we know the story here in Luke chapter 2. And so the Savior is born. He doesn't show up as this mighty, valiant warrior. They were expecting someone like King David, a real military guy, to come. But no, God chooses to, to have a little baby be born, not even in a great place, not in the house, not in some hospital, but in a barn. The most important person in the history of the planet was born not in a castle, in a barn, sleeping where the cows ate their food. And so you know this, that the angel shows up to those shepherds that night and lights up the whole sky. And he tells them, man, the Savior has been born, the Messiah, tonight, this very night. They've been waiting their whole lives, and all of a sudden, they weren't expecting it. The angel shows up and says, tonight is the night that the Messiah was actually born. He's over there, over there in Bethlehem, going over. And so they go over there, and they see Jesus. And I'm telling you, man, these these shepherds, they didn't have a very exciting job. I just heard someone talking about this the other day, that they sat around and watched sheep. I mean, I've heard it compared to sitting there and watching paint dry. There was not a lot going on. They're sitting out there just day in, day out, a big circle around the sheep, just making sure none of them ran off and killed themselves or something stupid. And that was their job. So I, I can imagine a bunch of young guys in 2019 being sheep watchers. What would they be doing? They'd be out there on their phones watching YouTube videos, eating talkies, right? They'd be out there just doing their thing. And then all of a sudden, the whole sky lights up with the glory of God. And they're like, oh, they got to spit their talkies out. They got to like, what is that? And the Bible literally says they were terrified. I mean, I'd be thinking, what? Oh, this is awesome because I've seen some sci-fi. I've seen some stuff. They've never seen anything like this. They were terrified. What is this? They said, no, whoa, whoa, time out. No, don't be afraid. I've got good news. The Messiah, the Savior of the world, has been born. And you guys have been chosen to be some of the first people to see him. And they go on over there and they see. And, and what happens, man? What happens the very first time that they see Jesus, the spark of hope is lit within their life. That's the same thing that happened to me when I was in a bad spot and I first really understood Jesus. And a lot of you, you've had that experience where, wait a minute, oh my gosh, this is the moment I've been waiting for. I thought life always had to be bad, but no, here it is. There's that spark and you got the exact same spark of hope that those shepherds did on that cold night many, many years ago. And so... What is hope? Hope is the belief that things can actually get better. You do not want to be a person without hope. One word that I don't take lightly is the word hopeless. I am never hopeless, ever. I'm a child of God. Even if things aren't going my way, I always have hope that things can and will get better. I am never hopeless, And you're never hopeless either if you've got that revelation. I want to show you something here in Isaiah chapter 60. Let's open our Bibles this morning to Isaiah chapter 60. And Isaiah prophesied a lot about this king that was going to come to the world. I just read about it in Isaiah chapter 9. But Isaiah was hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born into the world. And so Isaiah chapter 60, and he's talking to us about what it's going to be like When all this finally happens, Isaiah chapter 60, and I want to look here at verses 19 through 20. Who in here today can say, I have hope because I've received Jesus into my life. I am never without hope. Isaiah 60, 
verse 19, it says, No longer will you need the sun to shine by day, nor the moon to give its light by night. For the Lord your God will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. I'm thankful for the sun. I'm thankful for the moon. But listen to me. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he lights up my world more than anything else does. He's my everlasting light. Verse 20, it says, your sun will never set. Your sun will never set. Your moon will not go down, for the Lord will be your everlasting light. Look at this. Your days of mourning will come to an end. What does that mean? That means I've got hope. That it's not going to be like this forever. He said, your days of mourning will come to an end because the light is going to show up. And the sun is great. The moon is great. But you're going to have the everlasting light show up into your life. And your days of sorrow will come to an end. It is going to be better. Somebody give a hand for Jesus today that things are going to be better. And I want you to see Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19. Hebrews 6 and verse 19. And here is one of the most beautiful verses. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19. Jesus wants to get a hold of our lives today. Well, I, I, I believe that and I've done that. But, but sometimes we, we, we have these mental barriers that we've built up because we think that we fully understand Jesus. If you fully understand Jesus... I would love to meet you after the service because he's so big that I don't fully understand all of him yet. And I don't think I ever will until I get to see him face to face in heaven. I know a lot about him because I spend a lot of time with him, just like you would anybody that you spend time with. But a lot of times we get these, you know, well, man, a church thing, the G, I get it. We're cool. Me and God, we've got our thing. We've got this agreement. Man, stop that. Listen, lay your pride down. And let's talk about Jesus for a minute today, because you don't understand all of them. You don't fully comprehend everything there is to comprehend about Jesus. But Hebrews 6 and verse 19, it says this, what? What does it say? This, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. I'm talking about hope for just a second here this morning. And it says, this hope is an anchor for our souls. Well, what does an anchor do? Well, it, it, it keeps you in place. Some people, just they're floating all over life. They have no idea where they're going, where they came from, what their purpose is. They're just floating around like a lost person. And when you get this hope of Jesus, it's an anchor for your souls to keep you in place so he can do his work in your life. And you can quit wandering around right there. And then it tells us it leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. That's a beautiful thing right there because a lot of people, they don't realize, I mean, they think that they're just on the outside of heaven, just begging God, Lord, just give me a minute of your time. Lord, it's me. I know I'm unworthy. I know I'm nothing. I know I'm a screw up. And they think they got to put down on themselves for 20 minutes before they can approach God. But it doesn't say that. It says that the hope that anchors my soul, it clears the way for me to go right in to God's inner sanctuary. I don't have to storm the gates of heaven. I don't have to beg on the... No. I'm a child of God. I go right into the inner sanctuary. I go right in there and talk to Jesus. I talk to God the Father anytime I need to because I'm his child. I don't make my children beg for bread at my house. You know, I, I don't make them, Oh, Father, if it be thy will, may we have dinner this evening, Father. Would you think I'm some kind of abusive dad if I... Your kids have to beg for food? 
What kind of dad is that? Well, if, if I can treat my kids at least that good, don't you think that God the Father doesn't want you begging and, and throwing dirt in the air? And, oh, Lord, I'm so, I'm awful, I'm awful, I'm awful. Shut up. Shut up, man. Get up, walk into your dad's house, and talk to him because Jesus came so I could be made right with God. I go right in and talk to God. I don't sit there and talk about how bad I am. I talk about how good Jesus is this morning. Come on, somebody. That's the grace of God. It's not how bad I am. It's how good Jesus is. And so what does the light bring? It brings hope. And the second thing I'm going to say is that it brings help. Is there anybody in here, man, you've needed help at some point or another, or if some of us geniuses just had it all together this whole time, man, we, we just haven't ever needed help. There's not a person in here that's never needed help. And I want you to see here, we're already in Hebrews chapter 4, flip back a page, Hebrews chapter 4, because Jesus came to bring us hope, and he came to give us the help that we need. Hebrews chapter 4, starting at verse 15. And here's something that you may not understand about Jesus. First of all, you need to know that Jesus is our high priest. That may not make a lot of sense if you're not familiar with the Old Testament and especially the Jewish customs. But Jesus is our high priest. And it says, verse 15, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. How could he possibly understand my weaknesses? For he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Anything you've been tested with or tempted with. Jesus has too. And so for somebody to say, I don't think he understands where I'm at. Yes, he does, because he was there too at one point. He understands all of our testings, our temptations. Yeah, he did not sin. Verse 16, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Why? Well, there we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. Does it say come timidly to the throne of God? And No, it says come boldly to the throne of grace and get the help you need because God's going to help you in your time of need. But you've got to come boldly to the throne of grace. Why can we do that? Because, again, a lot of people don't get this. Jesus wants to help you. You're not a bother. Think about this. If I'm a doctor that's gone through 12 years of medical school, paid $500,000 to get this degree, do you think I want to open up a, a doctor's office and say, man, I hope no one comes in and bugs me today. I'm really not into this. I would say that person is pretty committed. They put years of their life into it. They put all that they have into it. A good doctor wants patients and wants sick people to come see them. Jesus not only went to medical school, he didn't, but I'm just saying, he did more than that. What did he do? He laid his whole life on the line and died for you. You don't think that the good physician, the great physician, the best that there is, wants sick people to come to him? He does. He wants you to bring your problems. It's not a bother. He wants you to bring the worst of who you are and bring it to him and say, Lord, I'm going to turn this over to you and I just do something with my life. Forgive me. It's not a bother. And guess what? He's not mad at you either. So many people have this misconception that God's angry at them all the time. Now listen, God could be pushed to anger, but the Bible tells us that he's rich in love, but slow to anger. And so many people are expecting, man, he's mad at me, man. I go into, tell you what, if I go into that church, the whole lightning's probably going to strike. Are you kidding me? You finally get to the very place he's been trying to get you for years just so he can zap you and kill you on the spot. 
How stupid is that? That's not the God that I know. No, he welcomes us in with open arms. And man, I'm not mad. I've been waiting on you the whole time. I'm glad you're here. This is what I wanted. Bring it to me. Lay it down at my feet. But you have to realize that God's not your hater. God's your helper. He's here to help you. But we got to do things his way. And so this high priest of ours, he understands all this. I want you to see chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 2. Because a lot of times people are like, well, why is it that, that Jesus had to even be born? You've got to see this. You needed help. You needed Jesus. And you need Jesus. And I need Jesus every day. But Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 15, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever read in my life. This explains perfectly why Jesus came. Hebrews 2, verse 14, it says, Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. I'm a person. So Jesus became a person. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Jesus became a person because you're a person. He lived in heaven, but you can't die up in heaven. You're already there. The only way Jesus could have saved us was to come down here and die for us and pay the price for all the stuff we've done. He couldn't do that in heaven. He had to come down here. And so he voluntarily, nobody forced him. Dad didn't kick him out. He didn't get tired of the heaven scene and think, I I need to change the scenery. It's getting kind of boring up here. I've been looking at this for millions of years. No, none of that. No, he said, they, they're, they are, it's getting worse down there. Somebody's got to go save these people and I'm going to be the one to do it. He comes down here. He takes the form of a body, becomes one of us because that's the only way he could die is to have a body to, to be killed. And so he lets that happen. And what did he do? He set free all of us who have lived our lives as slaves. He broke the power of death over us where we don't have to be afraid of anything anymore. We don't have to be afraid of death. We don't have to be afraid of anything because Jesus came and said, it's going to be okay. Just do things my way. He brings hope. He brings help. And he says, you're, you're my children. You can come right in to my presence. And he came to save us from ourselves. You know, I was, I was, I heard this story about back in the early days of America. This guy comes up to Benjamin Franklin. And he says, where's all this happiness and prosperity that that constitution promised us? Well, it hasn't showed up to me yet. And he's like, wait a minute. No, it, you weren't promised that you were going to have that. You were promised the pursuit of happiness and prosperity. You've got to pursue it. You've got to do something on your, on your own. And the guy was like, oh, well, I never thought of it that way. Well, a lot of us, Where's all these promises from God? He, I thought he said he was going to fix everything. I thought he said that everything was going to be all right. Where's all that at in my life? Well, you've got to respond to yourself, sister. Brother, you've got to do something on your end, too. You've got to at least acknowledge him. You've got to at least show up. You've got to at least talk to him. You've got to receive the gift. Wouldn't it be great if I gave you a great big box gift wrapped with a beautiful bow on it this morning and it was what you've always wanted you whether you knew it or not and it's here in this box and i give it to you yet you never open it man no one ever gives me nothing 
Man, some people are just lucky. They get all the breaks in life. I don't ever get anything. And, man, I wish somebody would give me. I gave it to you right there. But you've got to open it up. You have to receive it. Jesus is passing it, man. He's throwing dimes. But you've got to receive that this morning. And you've got to do something with it. You've got to be a receiver. And a whole lot of people, they don't get that. But he's got a gift for you today. You have to get up. And you have to receive the gift of the light. And so the third thing I'm going to say this morning is this. What is it that the light brings? Well, I can tell you this much. It brings hope. It brings help when we need it at the very most. And the third thing I'm going to say is this, is that it brings healing to our lives. It brings healing. And a little bit of, I mean, some of my story, a lot of you guys know this, but when I was like three years old, I got super, super sick. And, you know, they're like, well, what's going on? And nothing's making them better. So they take me uh, to this hospital in Noblesville, Indiana. You know, there's the local community hospital. And they're like, uh, my dad was just talking about this the other day. They've taken, they don't know what's wrong. So they take my blood and the doctor's like, oh my gosh, this three-year-old has leukemia. And so uh, they, they bring my parents in and, you know, the survival rate is this and this. And, and, and uh, I mean, let's, let's, we're just going to be real with you. This is about the worst case scenario. And, you know, I'm a little kid. I don't remember all this. But, but so they take me to a children's hospital in Indianapolis, Indiana. And I'm in, I do remember this, man. I'm getting blood drawn. They're, they're taking blood. They're putting blood in. They're giving me spinal taps and jabbing this thing up my spine. And I remember that pain even at three and a half years old. It hurt. And it hurt super bad. But the thing is, is that my parents have received the light. They not only received Jesus as Savior, they received Jesus as healer. And they believe, man, this is not the will of God. This is an attack from the enemy. We refuse to let this happen. And so they fought for my life. So I was in the hospital. I was getting all the treatment I could get. But I remember this much, and, and you, can, you can doubt me. You can call me a liar. I'm fine. I've been called worse. But this is the God's honest truth, man. I hadn't walked in a long time, and I'm sitting on a hospital bed one day. I remember this, three and a half, nearly four years old. I'm sitting there. They're taking blood and, and doing all this stuff. And I just remember something picks me up off of this table and sets me on the ground. Now, I couldn't see it. I don't know if it was an angel, if it was Jesus himself, whatever. Something picks me up, and I take off running through this children's hospital like a madman running and they're like what get him you know there's doctors chasing me and 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 i'm running around like crazy and i hadn't taken a single step in months they're like okay get get that kid they get me they start taking blood out and god's honest truth the first stuff they take out there is zero leukemia in my blood zero a thousand percent gone not there at all. And they're like, wait a minute. On top of that, these are health, these are mature blood cells. It, they would take months. It would take a year to get this. And it happened instantly. The night before, they took my blood full of cancer. The next morning, they take my blood, zero cancer. They've been taking it for 30 years now, and it has never, ever, ever come back. Jesus healed me. So I'm a little bit passionate about this Jesus thing because I'm fully aware that I probably would be dead if he wasn't here. He saved my life. Well, he did that for you, but I don't know what he's done for me, man. Listen, Jesus doesn't like me more than he likes you. I can tell you that. Hard to believe when the guy dressed like this, but I'm telling you. I did this for Jesus. This, if you don't like this, that's okay. It wasn't for you. It was for Jesus. So, amen. 
And my wife, she didn't want to wear that dress, but I bought it for her on Amazon, so she wore it. And so she, she's proud. She's proud. Amen. It's for Jesus. This is our gift to Jesus this year, okay? So anyway, but out of all that, Jesus doesn't like me more than he likes you. God has no favorites. And I've got a dozen Bible verses that exactly say that, that he has no favorites. He wants to do in your life what he did in my life, but it takes somebody submitting to him. Mark chapter uh, let's look at here at Mark chapter 1 and verse 40. Mark chapter 1 and verse 40. Why do I love Christmas so much? Because Christmas is good news. If Jesus had not been born into this world, it, I mean, I can't tell you what it would be like if that light had never shown up. You think it's rough, man. It's not rough. If Jesus hadn't come into this world, we'd still be fighting and clawing and scratching and trying to make our way to God on our own goodness relying on our own righteousness, but thank God I'm relying on the goodness and the righteousness of Jesus. Amen. It's about how good he is. Mark chapter 1, verse 40. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can make you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion. There it is. Jesus moved with compassion. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing. Get that. I am willing, he said, be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. What if Jesus said, man, that is sad news. I'll tell you that. I'm not willing. It's not my will. I want you to have that. As stupid as that sounds, you're sitting here today wondering, man, I wonder if Jesus wants me to be like that. I wonder. Maybe he wants us to to be poor. Maybe he wants us to have to be going through that. Maybe he's the one that sent it. Never, never, never. Not one time in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, the four gospels, did one person come to Jesus and say, I need help. I need a miracle. I'm dying here. My kid, died. whatever the case is, every single time, 100% of the time, Jesus said, I'm willing. It's my will. Let me fix your problem. Never once did he say, I don't want to help you. I helped him. I don't want to help you. I saved her. I don't want to save you. Never once. You don't realize how good Jesus is. You don't realize how good Jesus is that he wants to help all of us. But some people submit. Because here's the thing I've noticed about a lot of people. They want help. But they want it in their way on their own terms. And Jesus isn't going to come and help you on your terms you're going to have to go on his terms and do it his way. Imagine that somebody fell off the edge of a cliff and they're sitting there hanging by one hand. Someone climbs down there with a rope and says, here, tie this around you. I'm going to pull you up. And they're like, to be honest, I was really, I imagined a helicopter coming. This isn't what I pictured. So thank you. But no, thank you. I had something else in mind to rescue me. Sorry. I'd be like, Fine, fall, moron, get down there, stupid. You know, well, I wouldn't say that. But at the same time, that's what a lot of people are doing. They fully recognize that they are in trouble. They're in a mess. They've wandered off, and they're headed the wrong way. And so they're saying, Jesus, please come in and do something. And he's sending stuff every single day, but it's not what you pictured. So you think he's not listening. 
It's not how you imagine it happening. You wanted the helicopter and the fireworks and the Navy SEALs to show up. And God sent a baby in a manger and said, just trust in me and I'll get you out of this mess. You need to realize and let go. It's because some of us got some real control issues, don't we? If you're one of those great. No, don't raise your hand. But you know who you are. You you want you want Jesus to rescue you, but you want him to do it in your way. And he's saying, stop it. I am the way I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the father except through me. You're going to have to do this my way. It's not always easy, but do it my way. Not only will I get you out of this situation, I will change the entire course of your life. And I'll take you to heaven someday with me. But you're going to have to do this my way. You can't call the shots anymore. Some people aren't willing to do that, frankly. They're, they, 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 they're not willing to turn that control over to Jesus. They're not willing to let him do things his way. And that's a pretty sad state to be in right there because his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And it may not make sense to you, but God has a good plan for us. And so as I kind of boil it all down to this this morning, Jesus sees where you're at today. Some people, and man, you've got a great life. I'm not going to lie. I've got an awesome life because of Jesus. I, I've got a great wife that loves me. I've got kids. I've got a church that loves me and is there for me. I'm super blessed even though things come at me. But because of Jesus, he's brought healing into my life. And some of you here today, listen to me right now. You need healing in your life. I don't feel sick. Man, your heart and your soul is tore up. You need healing that you can't even see because it's so deep that it's beneath the surface. Some of this has some deep roots in your life. But listen to me right now. Jesus wants to be your healer today. The gift is being presented. It's right there. You're going to have to pick that up and do something with it. So that's my challenge. That's my invitation to you today is why not really make this a good Christmas? Why not really shoot your pride at the floor and, 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 and receive Jesus and say, you know what? I don't have all the answers. I don't, I don't know the way. I don't know which way to go from here. I am completely lost. And, 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 and you know what? I'm going to lay my pride down today and do something about it. I'm not that smart. I'm not that strong. I'm not that beautiful. I'm not that, I'm not all that. Listen, I need Jesus. But you gotta admit to it. You're gonna have to kill your pride and receive Jesus at some point if you ever want things to get better. So I'm gonna ask you to stand up together with us today. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.